welcome to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for joining us today. Get ready to be inspired and motivated to live a high-impact life. Now, here's Rick. Welcome to the Point of Impact podcast. I'm Rick McDaniel, and I would say welcome back as we begin today a new season of Point of Impact. And I'm really excited to be back with you. Took a break over the summer, and now we're ready to roll this fall with brand new episodes, and it's really going to be exciting, and uh, got a lot of great things to cover. A lot of stuff happened while while we weren't having episodes. Some of those things need to be certainly touched on and, and discussed, and I've got things to say, especially about like what happened recently in Afghanistan, uh, just in terms of how we finish there, how can we finish well in life was a big example. So we'll be getting to that one very soon. But today, I want to start by talking about one of the trips I took before we finished up last season. I told you I'd be doing some traveling and that in the episodes in the fall, I would share some stories and insights, perspective on those trips. And and I want to do that. But before I jump into it, I want to talk about just a new development, maybe the biggest new thing that's happened over the last couple of months. And that is that starting a few days ago, something new is happening that you can take advantage of that I think you'll really like and will really help you. And it's called Daily Devotions with Rick McDaniel. It is on Pray.com, the, the Pray.com app and, and all of their various ways. I, I think a lot of people access it through their phones, but you can access it in many different ways, tablets and computers. But it's a huge, huge app with millions of listeners. And they asked me to come on and bring something new to their app, to their uh, many... <laughs> Uh, selections that you have that you can listen to people read the bible and prayers and speakers and all kinds of things but the popularity of my at devotions that i write um, they asked me if i would read those devotions in other words make audios of them and so that has started and it's monday through friday Every day there's a new devotion. It's about two and a half minutes. So you just, you could listen in live on Pray uh, Radio Live, uh, 2.30 Eastern Time, 11.30 Pacific Time, and all the time zones in between, uh, 1.30 Central, 12.30 Mountain Time. And if you're listening uh, in other places around the world, just uh, use the 2.30 as the Eastern Standard Time on the in America as your base time and go from there. But just two and a half minutes. Now, if you say, hey, I can't do that, Rick, then there's on-demand, the on-demand option. You can go to Daily, Daily Devotions with Rick McDaniel and you can simply uh, access them that way on-demand. So you could just, for instance, if you wanted to start your day, which is a great way to do it, you could just go to the on-demand feature. I think it's under channels and uh, find me there. And just listen to that that daily devotion. And then each morning, just go back to it and listen to it. But I'm really excited about it. Just two and a half minutes will start your day in a great, great way. And these devotions that I've been writing for a number of years, this is what has resulted. Actually, 
another thing has resulted. Might as well talk about that. I'll be talking more about this stuff. But also, I'm coming out in January with a devotional book. So 100 daily devotions or readings. Again, that would take you about two and a half minutes to read. And you can have them in book form. So you can listen to them starting now and in January. The book is going to be called This is Living. Daily Inspiration to Live Your Faith. Can't wait for you to get it. I think it's going to be great. A bunch of phenomenal stories and great insight that can really help you, inspire you, and bless you. So I'm really excited about these developments. But this this book was in the works for quite a while. But the Pray.com, that's something new. And, and I think that this is something that uh, is a great new development. And those of you that are podcast listeners, you know, it's just you're used to hearing my voice. And now you can just listen in each day, every day, instead of just once a week, every day for a two and a half minute devotion. So I hope that you will do that. Okay, so let's just jump in to today's episode. And I want to talk with you about my experiences visiting Iceland. The original trip was Iceland and then on to Norway, but the Norway part didn't happen because of the COVID-19 virus and Norway never opened up to Americans like a lot of other places in Europe. So that part of the trip got canceled, but still went to Iceland and they they were open and that was just a really fascinating experience. And so I just want to tell you some stories and give you some insights about what I experienced there and some things I think that you'll find very helpful and, and interesting for sure. So Iceland marks uh, country number 33 that I visited all around the world and I visited all 50 states, six continents. So I've seen a few places and Iceland is certainly one of the most unusual places uh, I've ever been to. Um, and I'll develop that all out here today, what I mean by unusual Certainly, there are some incredible natural wonders. And again, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. There's some, some really uh, unique and, and somewhat unexpected places as well in the country. Well, I think the thing to begin with is just the whole misnomer about the name. It's not, it's not icy, it's green. In fact, Iceland should be named Greenland. And Greenland, which is almost all ice, should be called Iceland. So those names are like totally reversed. Now, there are those who told me in Iceland that the belief is that the Norwegians who originally discovered Iceland and owned it, you might say. Now, that's another fascinating part of, of the story, how how young this country really is. They've only been a country since 1944. Before that, they were owned by Norway and then Denmark. But they believe that the Norwegians didn't want other people to go there and to discover it. So they purposely named it Iceland. Make people think, why would I want to go to a place filled with ice when it should be called Greenland? Because it's absolutely green. And, And here's another thing. It's not super cold there, which is a a major shocker to me. Um, it's cold in the winter, yes, but not severe, not like not like Alaska or anything, even or you know any of the northern parts t- territories of 
Canada or, again, Greenland or other Nordic areas. It's not like that. It, it doesn't, say, get below zero virtually ever. And uh, it's, it's below freezing, but not, it can easily be in, you know, like in the 20s, which that's just not, I know that's cold, but, you know, you can get in the 20s in America. And it can be above freezing. When I was there, for two of the days I was there, one was in, no joke, was in the low 70s and the other was like in the upper 70s. So that's pretty warm. Uh, now again, obviously it's the summertime, but it just is not as icy and cold as, as you think. So here's, here's another part of it is, and this is really weird, is how few trees, you know, you just have this idea that it's some sort of wilderness. Only 9% of all the land in the country is forest. And that's just so weird when you see it. You're just like, where are all the trees? Like, why aren't there way more trees? Here's another really odd thing. There are very few animals there. They have Arctic foxes, sheep, cattle, horses, and a few reindeer. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just remarkable to think about this place because, you know, it's in the just flat out in the middle of the North Atlantic Ocean. It's no, you know, there's nothing close by. The closest would be Greenland, which is still a good little, little bit away. America, England, England's the next closest place pretty far. So this island was just like uninhabited. And there's just like very little living there at all. It's just wild. And even today, there are only 360,000 people in the whole country. 360,000. And two-thirds of them live in the capital region of Reykjavik. So it's just a, just a very odd and very strange kind of place. It's also the windiest inhabited place on earth. They have these terrible storms and winds blow you know, 100 miles an hour, which is like hurricane force winds. And the storms get so bad that everything just has to stop. People can't even drive. It's just like, again, it's like being in a hurricane, except these storms come all the time, all year long, especially the winter. And they, you know, they, they are much more frequent than anything we would know in terms of hurricanes here in America. There's also the reality of the darkness from October to February. There are only four hours of daylight each day. And in the north of the country, it's two hours. So I've been to Alaska, been, you know, and again, when it was light for like 21 hours and same sort of thing happening there in Iceland in the summer, a lot of light, but in the winter, a lot of, a lot of darkness. And there are, there are many people who consider the darkness worse than the storms. That a depressive mood really settles over the land. And uh, people have to take like a winter break and go to like a, a sunnier climate like the Canary Islands, for instance, which is off of uh, Portugal, just to find somewhere to kind of see the sun and, and have a break from the dreariness. Another thing that is just fascinating is that they don't have very much farmland. Only in the south uh, of the country will they have farms. And, and we'll, I'll tell you a great story at the end of this episode about that. 
And then, of course, they're challenged by a very brief growing season. There's really only a couple of months when there isn't frost. See, that's the weird thing. It's not super cold, but it's always just cold enough. It's, you know, it's just, it is a challenging place to live. There's, there's just no way to get around it. I mean, you're limited what you can grow. You're limited what you can eat. It's just really a, a, a tough, a tough go in terms of surviving there. You could argue there's a reason why it was uninhabited for all those years, you know, that just God said this isn't a place for people. And so people come there and then they're faced with all of the challenges and the reality of, of, of what it means to, to, to live somewhere where uh, there's just a, a limit, a, a real limit. Again, just, you know, kind of picture... These horrendous storms that that just whip up out of nowhere, and because again you're you're on an island, so you're getting hit from 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 every side, and there's just no other land masses to absorb. So they get hit with the storms. Then they have the darkness. Imagine just a few hours of daylight every day. They can't grow food for very long, and they don't have that much farmland to grow it anyway. They don't have a lot in the way of what they can eat. They, they, the big thing there is lamb. That's their, that's their sort of go-to food. And uh, they believe in using all parts of the lamb. So you want to talk about some crazy stories. You're talking about people eating like the, the skull, the eyeballs, stuff like that. Wow. Now, of course, the other thing is fish. I mean, they have fish. They're famous for this... Uh, uh, no joke, marinated shark, marinated in urine, as in people's pee. I mean, just, just thinking about that, so gross, and people eat that. This guy does not do that kind of stuff, but uh, people do. Somebody has sat next to it, had, had it the day before. So they've got fish, and you know, there's just a limit. They have horses that are kind of in between the size of a horse and a pony, and people use them as pets however some people actually eat horse so it's kind of bizarre It'd be like eating a dog say in america there are pets and then you would eat it i mean it would just seems so bizarre and foreign to you to even consider doing the issue of dogs is also fascinating there was a time when there was a disease that was spread by dogs and so they actually banned dogs from iceland for a long period of time so there are very few dogs. I mean, just like versus say in America. I saw maybe six or seven dogs the entire time I was there. They just do not have a lot of dogs. Their pets, no joke, are these small horses. So, you know, you could go kind of on and on about this, this strange land. Here's another thing. They have 160 volcanoes. And one of them is active right now. I hiked to that active volcano. And the eruption of volcanoes is never too far away. In fact, there's one that hasn't erupted for over 100 years. And in terms of its history, it erupts about every 80 years. So any time now, they're expecting that one to erupt. So you've got that going on as well. Uh, so you just have a, 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 a situation that... 
it's it's super challenging. Now there are again some in, incredible natural wonders. Some of the waterfalls that we saw were just amazing, just absolutely unreal. You can see pictures of these, by the way, if you go to my Instagram, which is Rick underscore official, uh, Rick McDaniel, Rick McDaniel underscore official. So if you go to Rick McDaniel underscore official, you'll be able to see some of the pictures uh, of some of these natural wonders, these standing behind a waterfall in one, which I've never done before, this massive, gigantic waterfall that's just Huge, huge. And I've been to Iquazu Falls, which is the largest waterfalls in the world. And, and you know, this one doesn't equal that. But Iquazu is a series of falls right next to each other, whereas this is just one sort of gigantic one. So I've seen Iquazu Falls and, you know, Niagara Falls and a whole bunch of other falls. I've seen Yosemite falls and I mean just seen a lot of of the great falls all around the world but these would rank right up there and then the beyond you know the the, the falls which is they've got glaciers which again you know it's just fascinating to see um, fascinating you can even hike on the glaciers which you know that's pretty amazing to, to think about just the idea of hiking <laughs> hiking on a glacier it's pretty wild they also have just some just bizarre kinds of rock formations and monoliths. There are some that are actually in the water. It's just, you know, just extremely odd. There's a really wild picture. If you, again, look on my Instagram, you'll see some incredible picture of this monolith sitting on a black beach because the black beach, they have black beaches because of the volcanoes. Uh, there's black beaches, at least one I've been to in Hawaii, but there aren't many in the world and you've got to have the volcanic ash to make that happen. So they have these just wild, they have puffins there, the, the little birds that, uh, you know, you, you, you don't see those in many places in the world, but they, they have puffins. So it, it is just a, a quite a place in terms of straight up natural wonders. It, it's got them. And it's well worth going there to, to do the sort of hiking and uh, um, being able to see the sorts of things that you can see. So that's, that's that part of it. But there is sort of the physical. But I want to shift, you know, because this is who I am. I'm going to always talk about the spiritual and shift just to the spiritual. And the spiritual there is just really is just really pretty wild. Um, they say that 10% of the people go to church. Um, I, I asked people and no one that I asked attended church except at Christmas and Easter when they think that's a really important thing to do. So it's just a very unusual mentality. Now you say, hey, you know, they call them C&E Christians, right? You know, Christmas, Easter, that's the, the only time. Um, and that happens, you know, it happens in America. It happens, I think, a lot maybe with Catholics, but certainly not just Catholics. So it's not like that's so unusual. What what's what makes it different is they seem to have a, a very much kind of a, almost a uh, a skeptical, almost agnostic kind of mentality about God, and yet then they also 
go to church like like it's a really important thing to do and they have other aspects of the protestant work ethic like for instance the work ethic um that people really need to have a job yet it's a very much a socialist environment free health care really free unemployment so in many ways you you don't have to work if you don't want to and yet because of the christian foundation they believe that you you should work so it's 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 just fascinating um was actually at a church at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. There was not a single car in the parking lot. None. I mean, zero. Absolutely not one. So that's strange. And then here's another very strange thing. <laughs> they seem to be skeptical about God, and yet there is a belief uh, in, in trolls and fairies, which just seems almost incomprehensible. In fact, I had a discussion with a tour guide who poo-pooed the whole idea of fairies and trolls and really anything not that wouldn't be natural. And yet, then later on, he said, you know, but I wouldn't want to be like disturbing the area where the trolls may live. Almost like, you know, just in case. Very, very strange. But the belief, you know, that that there are are hidden people like these trolls were like the original inhabitants of Iceland. You know, before there were people, there were trolls. So you just got to make sure and watch out for the trolls. And again, the idea that there's elves, you know, that you know, just like Santa's helpers, you know, it's just it's just a, a remarkable thing. Uh, it. it it just is fascinating in such a hard place to live. You know, people really need the strength and encouragement that comes from faith in Christ. And they could be taking advantage of that. And I'm not, uh, it does not appear to me that en enough really do. And in a place that attracts people, it really does. I think people go to Iceland because maybe they're running from something. They're looking for like, somewhere where no one will know them or where they could somehow start over. I think people are, are go there to ex seek acceptance for their lifestyle because I think pretty much anything goes in Iceland. And so if you're looking to sort of have a, a, an, an unusual lifestyle, non-traditional lifestyle, that that's probably a place for you. Uh, if you're looking for somewhere to, you know, just kind of escape, then... Again, and if you're looking for somewhere to really, you know, free health care and unemployment and, you know, just sort of a place where you really don't have to do much, that's your place. But to me, um, it's a place that absolutely in that kind of setting, really, people are lost and they need Jesus. They need help. They need encouragement. They need meaning. They need purpose. And it's the perfect place, if there was, ever was a perfect place, it would be the place for them. Uh, so I found it just remarkable in, in so many ways, that the kind of contradictions that, that, that exist. I want to tell you a fascinating story uh, that I think is powerful about what took place there. You may remember in 2010, 
there was a volcano that erupted in Iceland. And because, by the way, the words there, their language is, it's incredible. They're just so hard to, so hard to pronounce and so many letters. And so it's, it's just nicknamed the E15 volcano because the, there's 15 letters in, in the word. But when it erupted, it, it created something uh, that the whole world took notice of because there was so much a volcanic, let's call it ash, although it's really like sand. And it ended up because of the winds moving south it, it kind of left Iceland, but it went south and it it totally messed with Europe in terms of air travel. For six days, you couldn't fly, literally could not fly a plane in Europe because of what happened with this volcano. So the, the ash, the volcanic ash blew south. And in that sense, it actually did not affect Iceland. It was a problem for Europeans, but not a problem for them. But they did have one problem, and that is that the ash that settled initially, which again is described more like sand, created an incredible problem for the farmers because it was about eight inches that covered the southern area of the country, which is where the farmland is. Eight inches, eight inches on the ground, eight inches on rooftops, eight inches everywhere. Um, for six weeks, the road, the only road was impassable. The only way to get to Reykjavik, which is maybe two hours, let's say, you would have to do like the ring road. You'd have to drive south and eventually then you'd have to go east and north and come back and and just to give you some sense of what we're talking about you're talking about a, a 250 kilometer drive became an 1100 kilometer drive so more than four times as much distance because the road was completely closed but the big thing that happened was how the this volcanic sand settled on the farmland. Now the animals uh, were impacted as well, although amazingly, 95% of them survived. Really only the cattle had a problem with it. But the big problem was how are you going to farm now that you have eight inches of volcanic sand on top of your farmland? And so the farmers became very discouraged because they were like, we're, we're ruined. It's, it's already super hard place to grow crops to begin with. And now as if that wasn't enough, we, we now have this gigantic problem. We're not going to be able to grow crops. It's over. And so a, a huge depression really fell over these farmers and they just felt like their livelihood was done and they were very, very, very despondent. But then 
the wind did begin to blow and it ended up blowing away some of this volcanic sand so that it was no longer eight inches thick. But the farmers were still concerned because they thought, yeah, but there's still this volcanic sand on top of our soil. And so we're still not going to be able to grow anything. But here's the fascinating thing. It turned out that this volcanic sand was actually an excellent fertilizer. And so after a few months had passed, what these farmers discovered was that their soil was actually better for growing crops, richer. In other words, what started out as this awful disaster that was going to ruin them turned out to be this amazing blessing in disguise and made their soil even better for planting crops. And in a country where it's so hard to plant and grow anything to begin with, this was exactly what they needed and exactly what they got. And I wanted to tell you that story to encourage you because something may have happened in your life. Maybe it has something to do with this uh, COVID-19 pandemic or now endemic. Maybe the pandemic's over, maybe it's endemic, I don't know. But either way, maybe it's something there or it's something completely different and you're just despondent and you just think this is awful, this is terrible, I'm ruined, this is never gonna work. And in fact, God may actually use this it may be a blessing in disguise and when it's all said and done you'll look back and instead of it ruining you it ended up blessing you instead of it being something awful it ended up being something great so just take that little truth with you as you go through the challenges of life and just be encouraged by what took place in iceland 11 years ago and believe that something like that could take place in your life. Well, that's all I've got today. We're out of time. Love sharing this with you. Hope you've learned a lot and hope that this uh, podcast episode was helpful to you and that the story at the end was a real blessing to you. Thanks for joining us in the new season of Point of Impact, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Point of Impact podcast with Rick McDaniel. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.